Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Good afternoon and welcome to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Sports betting partner of your Cleveland Browns now live in Ohio. Nathan Zagura, the great Gibbe is back Hi. there on Gibby Cam. Let's give him a little Hi. quick. There he is. Hi. The great Gibbe. Bo Bishop will be back tomorrow. Manana, as they say. Uh, listen, this season has been so special, and this team has been so special that you want to see everybody who has contributed to that be recognized. Yes. And be recognized on what I would call a grand stage. You and I went through this yesterday, and I think we had, best case scenario, I think we had 13 people that we thought could be pro bowlers or alternates. We thought there could be as many as eight actual pro bowlers. So we were pretty close. We ended up having five pro bowlers, including three who are starters, and we had six alternates that were named. We'll start with the pro bowlers, Denzel Ward, now a three-time pro bowler. Miles Garrett, now a five-time Pro Bowler, which ties for the Browns franchise record for the most Pro Bowls ever by a defensive player. Joel Batonio is now a six-time Pro Bowler, and that is six consecutive Pro Bowls for Joel Batonio. I'll say it again, six consecutive. That puts him third all-time in Cleveland Browns history with six Pro Bowls made. So impressive for Joel Batonio. For Amari Cooper, this is his fifth Pro Bowl. His first as a member of the Cleveland Browns. And for the Chief, his first ever Pro Bowl and certainly very fitting recognition. So those are your five Pro Bowlers. Who are the three starters? Three starters are Denzel, Vittonio, and Miles. Perfect. So, oh, And the reserves are Amari and Najoku. That's right. It even says that perfectly there. Thank you. Good job, Gibby. I got you. You got me. So Denzel has been elite this year. I saw in uh, getting ready for the game last week, it was something like when he was off the field, the difference between completion percentage, yards, all of that yards per attempt, quarterback rating were massive. And then the one that jumped out at me the most was, I think we had allowed going into last week, we'd allowed 16 passing touchdowns on the season. 11 of them occurred without Denzel Ward on the field. Only five with him on the field. Now, he was on the field when I think they scored their first passing touchdown last week. But the point is, it's not like he had missed two-thirds of the season. He had missed four games. And double the touchdowns happened in those four games that he missed or when he was not on the field than when he, when he was, which I thought was stunning. Now, that's also skewed a little bit by Houston, right, like at the things that happened late in that Houston game. But I thought that was an incredible step. All right, your, those are your starters and reserves on the team. By the way, to have a wide receiver and a tight end – and by the way, the Chiefs 118 yards away from 1,000. 1, and he's gone over 100 twice now with Flacco, including 134 last week, second highest of his career. They have Amari, career high 1,250 yards, career high 17.4 yards per catch. And David Njoku as pass catchers make the Pro Bowl in a season in which they played with four different quarterbacks who started multiple games each. Is crazy. It's crazy. It is such a testament to everything about this football team. 
it's awesome. So congrats. Well-deserved to all of those guys. These are all, you know, in many ways, Pro Bowl stalwarts when you think about Three for Denzel, six for Batonio, six for uh, five for Miles Garrett, five for or Amari Cooper, and now David Njoku obviously getting his first. And and what a story in perseverance for David Njoku. What a story for perseverance in terms of this organization believing in somebody that was drafted at the age of twenty. That you know, remember when he got his contract extension? He was not given that contract extension for what he had done. It was for who he would become. And kudos to to Andrew Barry for identifying that correctly. Got that one right. Yep, check that box off. You sure got that right. So those are your five who made it. Hopefully, by the way, no Browns play in the Pro Bowl because that means we're all playing and we're playing in the Super Bowl, which is fine, which would be sad for the alternates because they won't get a chance to get elevated. Let's talk about the alternates for a second. Wyatt Teller, two-time Pro Bowler, last two seasons. He's probably the right best right guard in football. Feels like a little bit of a snub, and I don't have the benefit of having all the rosters in front of me to know who actually made it at the right guard spot, but I can look that up on the, on the internet. It doesn't even matter to me. I don't even, it, it doesn't even matter to me. Why Teller should be there. Ethan Posick should have been a pro bowler last year, and I'm pretty sure he should be a pro bowler this year. So I think two of those, those are two pretty tough ones for the Browns, and those, however, might not even be the most egregious because the silly, outdated, antiquated system that is used in the National Football League to lump a 4-3 linebacker who's either a Will or a Sam as being an outside linebacker lumped in with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and guys like Josh Allen who are Stand-up pass rushers who are technically outside linebackers in a 3-4, but they are not the same. It should be edge rusher, should be the title, and that has Miles and Hendrickson and TJ Watt. All of those guys would be in there, and then it should just be off-ball linebackers. And I think Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa deserved to not only be a Pro Bowler, I think he deserved to be a Pro Bowl starter this season for what he has done as an off-ball linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. I think he has been that Good. I think JOK to me is a very, very egregious oversight, and it is it is a problem of what happened with it's a problem of really what happened with the way this system is set up with in terms of the way that positions are identified either where whether it be correctly or incorrectly in this case. So Wyatt, I think oversight for sure. I think that you look at, you know. I, I can tell you from a guard standpoint, Quentin Nelson of the Colts. Okay. Betonio. Okay. Those are the two starters. Uh, Joe uh, Tooney. Tooney from Kansas City. He was pretty good in his own right. Yep. Uh, the center position, Creed Humphrey from Kansas City and Tyler Linderbaum from the Ravens. So Creed Humphrey has had, I think, what some people would consider – I mean, he's been very, very good. Linderbaum's been very, very good as well. But Ethan Posick's been very, very good. And so that's probably a little more name recognition for Creed Humphrey, who's kind of been, this is not his first Pro Bowl for sure. Linderbaum's been a stud. So it, it's a little bit of a numbers game there. Uh, I thought he's he's had a very good season. Ryan Kelly's another guy for Indianapolis that probably has a little bit of a case uh, as well to be in there. So to me, though, JOK is, JOK is as egregious 
as egregious gets. That, to me, is unbelievable that he is not a pro bowler this year. He absolutely should be a pro bowler this year. I think you look in on this. You got Quincy Williams, I think, very deserving. I think you can make C.J. Mosley is deserving as well. But to me, J.O.K. is so deserving for the negative plays that he makes, leads the league in the run stops. He is at or behind the line of scrimmage more than anybody in the league. He is tremendous, and he's got the picks, and he's got the sacks, and he's got 100 tackles. He's been everywhere. I think that that was, a, that was an egregious one, and I think if he is an off-ball linebacker, I think he has a chance certainly to get in there. Are you, so the inside middle linebackers yep. were Roquan Smith and okay. Patrick Queen. What about Quincy Williams? He didn't make it? These are... Are those just the starters? No, it, the asterisk denotes starter. Which is Roquan. Yeah. Um, outside linebackers were three. Okay. T.J. Uh, Watt. Yep, T.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, and Josh Allen. Okay. Pass rushers. <laughs> Not even the same position as what Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa plays. Now, it would have been tough for him competing against Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen. I think Quincy Williams, who won the fan vote, got jobbed. He did something that hasn't been done in a decade in the league. Yeah. He's got, I think, it was like 15 tackles for a loss, 120-plus tackles, 15 passes defensed picks all of it he's had an unbelievable season but so so it is tough there Dustin Hopkins robbed a robbery robbed ridiculous absurd complete and total just when you say it sometimes it's a popularity contest and here's what happened folks they send these ballots around who's the best kicker in the NFL Who's the best kicker in the NFL? Gibbe, if you were just asked, just blankly somebody on the street walked up to you, who's the best kicker in the NFL? First name that comes to your mind. Well, I mean, they would tell you the Ravens guy. Justin Tucker. Justin of course. Tucker, yeah. So that's what happened. Justin Tucker has not had a Justin Tucker season. No. Justin Tucker, in fact, is having the worst season of his career. But he's Justin, he's Justin Tucker. Tucker. And by the way, there's a lot of cachet with being Justin Tucker. Now, where I think you're going to have a chance because the, the All-Pro is not a popularity contest or is not necessarily a name recognition contest, you're going to have a chance, I think, like in the year 2018 for Justin Tucker, where he was first-team All-Pro and was not a pro bowler. So I think that's possible for Dustin Hopkins. Listen, 19, 20, 21, four straight years and six total, Tucker's been the Pro Bowl kicker. So it's not a surprise that it's just natural. You think Tucker, you think Tucker, you think Tucker. Here's the deal, though. He's only made 86% of his kicks this year. He's 31 of 36. He's one of five from 50-plus. Our guy was eight of eight. Now, if you'd said to me Greg Zerline, I think Greg Zerline makes sense as well. But Dustin Hopkins has been much better than Justin Tucker this year. And just, Dustin Hopkins, quite frankly, deserves Pro Bowl. He deserves All-Pro. All of it. Best kicker in the league. My argument, so and the the argument that I'm making for him is how many clutch kicks. Totally. From, by the way, not chip shot distance. No. <laughs> 45, 50, 53 to win games. Yep. Like, I just think when the pressure has been on, he's been the best kicker. We aren't where we are right now without – 
Dustin Hopkins. Correct. I don't think that there's maybe even another kicker in the league that you're making that statement about right now. The Ravens are not where they are because of Justin Tucker. The Ravens are where they are because of Lamar Jackson, their defense, uh, all of it. The Browns, in many ways, when you had to get through some of those tough times with the quarterback carousel a shuffling, it came down to Dustin Hopkins. When you led the comeback, Joe Flacco did against Chicago, and he comes back, it came down to Dustin Hopkins. I mean, how many times has he made the game-winner one? How about the one that he made from 54, you know, to ice the Jags on a cold Cleveland December day? I mean, you're talking about he should have been number one. And then I think Bohorquez, excellent recognition there. Who did they have when that A.J. Cole? Is A.J. Cole the AFC punter? Um... AJ Cole, yeah. Jake. AJ Cole's the uh, AFC punter. Okay. Well, the long snapper is Ross Matissic from Jacksonville. Yeah. Give a little love to Charlie Hewitt. Come so, on. AJ Cole this year, 50 yards per attempt, 45 yards net. I mean, pretty good. Long of 83, which is tied for the longest on the season. So he's had a very good year. Corey, 49.5 yards, 42.3 uh, per attempt. AJ Cole per net, I'm sorry. AJ Cole, 36 inside the 20. So he's been very good in that regards. I think good recognition for Corey Bohor because that's a that's a that's a tough position to to kind of break through, and I think getting that recognition is great for him. Now, so we've gone through all eleven. I, I do think Teller should have been there. I definitely think D Hop should have been there, and I think Jeremiah Wusu Kormo should have been there. That's eight. Now, here's the guy that I think is the biggest snub of all for the Cleveland Browns. The biggest snub is MJ Emerson, and I don't care about Jalen Ramsey's name recognition. The guy's played nine games, and look, you got Sauce Gardner, you got Patrick Sertan second, you got Denzel. There's only four of them. Correct. It's very, very difficult, and there's no doubt Sauce Gardner deserved to make it this year. But when you are a cornerback in the National Football League, what is your job, right, in addition to tackling and all that? But when you're in coverage, it is to limit the percentage of completions when they throw at you. It is to limit the touchdowns and big plays when they throw at you. And it it is to look at, from a holistic quarterback rating standpoint, make it difficult for quarterbacks to have success when they throw at you. Okay? So if those are the barometers that we're using, and I think it makes perfect sense to do it, let's start with, so these are of every quarterback cornerback that has played 50% of their team snaps. So just like guys who started half of the season, okay? The lowest completion percentage allowed in the National Football League is 47.1%. Gibbe, do you have a guess as to who who allowed the league low 47.1% completions when in coverage? Well, I, I believe you've teed me up quite nicely. And I believe it's M.J. Emerson. M.J. Emerson. Okay, and this is out of, just so people know, of the corners that have done this, that have played that have played the 50% of their team snaps. This is 81 corners in the league. Okay? 81 corners. Number one, M.J. Emerson. Number six, number six, is Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is number six in this category. 
He is at 51%. Greg Newsom, 24th, 58.2. So if there are 32 teams in the NFL, the number one corner on 32 teams would be that, right? We have three of the top 24, but I'm going back. And, and Greg certainly, I think, deserves it in the sense that he's the best slot corner, but they don't have it broken out like that. MJ Emerson, outside corner, number one in the league. Number one in the league in completion percentage allowed. Okay, and then we said what? Quarterback rating was a good barometer. I'm going to guess Jalen Johnson made the Pro Bowl for the NFC, for the Chicago Bears. Stand by. Uh, let me bring up the NFC here. And I'm, I'm going to make this point so that – so, on the corner for the defense, uh, for the NFC, Deron Bland, uh, Chavarius Ward, Ward okay. from the 49ers, Jalen Johnson from the okay. Bears, and Devin Witherspoon from the Seahawks. Thank you. So, by the way, Devin Witherspoon, rookie. Yeah. Jalen Johnson, okay, Fourth in the NFL in completion percentage. He's the only one that is as good in all of these categories as our guy. Jalen Johnson, fourth in the NFL. 50% completion percentage. Again, number one, MJ Emerson. Number one. Can you get better than number one? I, I believe you cannot get better. No. Uno, does your name mean he, number one? He's downstairs. See, Yes, it does. All right. Now we go to quarterback rating allowed in coverage. I mentioned number one, Jalen Johnson, 33.3. Why I brought him up. Number two, MJ Emerson, 45.3. Number three, Deron Bland, 52.1. So, so far, the two guys around him, pro bowlers. Number five, Charvarius Ward, 56.8, pro bowler. And then we talked about giving up touchdowns in coverage, right? Giving up touchdowns. For an outside corner, there are only, out of 80-something, what did I say, 81 corners? Yes. There are six, six this season that they have, have been said not to have given up a single touchdown in coverage this year. Of every single pro bowler that you mentioned, None of them are on this list. Some of them are slots, like a Mike Hilton, who's a blitzer. Now, LeJerry Sneed had a very nice year for Kansas City. He certainly could have been this discussion. He's 51%, no touchdowns, 55.9 rating. But then there's MJ Emerson, who is of the group of six, okay, that didn't allow a touchdown in coverage all season, only six. He's number one in completion percentage allowed, number one in rating allowed. So you're saying that he is... Of those three categories, he's number one in completion percentage allowed in coverage. He's number two in the NFL in quarterback rating allowed in coverage. And he's number one because he allowed zero. Can't get lower than that. Touchdowns in coverage this year. There were games where teams did not throw the ball his way. And it was intentional. He was targeted 70 times this year. Which is actually, um, of the people on this list, that's a fairly legit number. He gave up 33 catches, folks, in the NFL in 2023. MJ Emerson, not only, in my opinion, 
deserve to be on the Pro Bowl roster over Jalen Ramsey. Notice we never said his name anywhere, and I'm not even sure he's play- qualified for the 50%. He's only played – well, he played nine games, so he just played just over. <clears throat> Unless – well, he got but, hurt in the one game. But he's got he, – what he has is he's got name recognition, right? He's Jalen Ramsey. Hold on. Let me dro- I'm going to drop it down to 20% of, this, of the snaps, and let's see, that's going to change things a little bit. So if you drop it down to 20% of the snaps, and now we're talking about – we're talking about – 133 corners, okay? So now it's like guys who weren't even full-time starters that get to kind of come in here and ran the parade. There's a guy named Clark Phillips from Atlanta who played in... Sounds like a next-door neighbor. Six games this year. He had a 44% completion allowed. Still number one outside of that, MJ Emerson. By the way, Jalen Ramsey, 50%. He would be sixth. Quarterback rating, even adding in all those other guys. Guess what? Jalen Johnson, one. Jalen Ramsey, two. Credit. MJ Emerson, three. Touchdowns allowed in coverage. Now you get up, you get a few more people in here who didn't play much. MJ Emerson, amongst those who did not allow a single touchdown, number one in completion percentage allowed, number one in quarterback rating. MJ Emerson deserved to be a starter. I think that there is obviously a pretty significant case to be made that MJ Emerson deserves to be not only a Pro Bowl starter, but a first-team All-Pro. He leads our team. He leads the best defense in the NFL, to quote our guy Kevin Stefanski, with four interceptions. He leads the best defense in the NFL with 14 passes defensed. He has now, in two seasons in the league, 29 passes defensed. He's been so consistent in that regard. I don't get it. And then Greg Newsom is a slot defender. Two picks, career high, obviously. 14 passes defensed in his own right. So he's tied with the team league with MJ Emerson. Part of its popularity. And part of it's what, <clears throat> not only is Jalen Ramsey playing well, but Jalen Ramsey is a perennial pro bowler. And then you've got Sauce Gardner, you've got Pat Sertan. Now the one thing that's interesting is Sauce Gardner has had kind of an up-and-down year, honestly. You didn't hear his name in any of this, but he's got the name recognition of being Sauce Gardner from last year. The other guy that you really didn't hear much about was Pat Sertan. Again, reputation, name recognition matters. MJ Emerson is going to have that after this year because I guarantee, as animated as I am about it, I'm not the only one. By the way, for comparison's sake, Greg Newsom is 22nd in quarterback rating allowed. Denzel Ward, for us, is 23rd in quarterback rating allowed. Sauce Gardner is 25th in quarterback rating allowed. Pat Sertan, he must... Let's see. Pat Sertan this year gave up 61% completions in coverage, three touchdowns, and a 92 rating when targeted. And made it. A little bit on his name, for sure. MJ Emerson is, in my opinion, the biggest snub in this entire process across the league. Period. Now, somebody may bring somebody else to my attention, and that's fine. I obviously am hosting Cleveland Browns Daily. That's where my focus is. I think MJ Emerson is the biggest snub in all the Pro Bowl. Now, you could say, had he made it as, had he made it as a, an alternate, would I have been happy to that? Sure. By the way, somebody said that 
Amari, Bill Rogers saying Amari was selected as a starter, Denzel Ward selected as a reserve. Just something we can look into in a second. Here's the thing. MJ Emerson. It's just the biggest snub in the National Football League, quite frankly. I've said it on the broadcast, the star is born. I love everything about him. I love everything he brings to this team. I love everything he's brought to the city. I like his leadership style. I like his performance. He needs to be recognized. And he'll be recognized on this show. When, when, whenever MJ Emerson is here, I consider him a 2024 all pro, 2023 All-Pro and Pro Bowler. So that's how I'm doing it. That's, that's, that's my approach to it. I think that this is a gross, gross injustice. Number one, what better do you want on your resume? Number one in completion percentage allowed when targeted in the entire NFL. Allowed the fewest touchdowns in coverage in the entire NFL. And number two in rating when targeted in the entire NFL. He's only been bested in one of those three categories. The guy who bested him, Pro Bowler, Jalen Johnson. Outrageous, if you ask me. So where did it go wrong? What do you mean? Because didn't we go through the fan vote yesterday? I don't think he has the name recognition around the league yet. So, but like, how do you not, if you're a player or a coach. Because they're not watching our film unless they've played us. Okay, well. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask a crazy question. I would love to know. No crazy questions, just crazy people. Well, we're getting to that level here. Okay. the The big question is, how many players actually voted? And probably not a, as high a percentage as people would like to believe. You know, I mean, is it too difficult to vote? Is there too too many obstacles? Is there are there too many things that? You have to fill out so I you think can vote? In many, and I'll, I can, I'll get the answer to this, but I'm pretty sure they get handed kind of like a blank list with the positions, and they just write in who they want. So it's not like they even present like, hey, here are some of the choices for you. So what do people know? Sauce Gardner. Of course everybody knows Sauce Gardner, so he's going to make it. They know Jalen Ramsey, right? Like they know Denzel Ward, who's been absolutely phenomenal and deserving of it this year. But MJ Emerson – is so deserving of going to the Pro Bowl and being an All-Pro that, it, to me, it is it's stunning. To not even be recognized. How many? Who are the cornerback alternates in the AFC? So I don't have that list. I just okay. have the starters and okay. the backups. Okay. Um, I mean, it's just, and, and someone was right. Uno's going to get a demerit. Demerit Uno. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. Denzel's a reserve and uh, Amari is a starter. All right. Not a great look. There it is. No, not great. It's fine. Pro Bowlers, all of them. But this this MJ Emerson, this MJ Emerson stuff to me is absolutely. It's it's not okay. It it is a failure of the system, much the same way that JOK being asked to compete for a Pro Bowl spot against edge rushing pass rushers who should be competing against Miles Garrett for a Pro Bowl spot is also absurd. Off my soapbox. There it is. I've said it. You guys know I love MJ. Ridiculous. He has been one of the best corners, if not, you can make the case. Statistically speaking, you can make the case that he's the best corner in the National Football League this year. Uh, I might have a list of alternates here. Hit me. Let's see. Can I take a guess? Legereus Sneed. Marlon Humphrey. Hold on. i got to get through. All right. We'll take a break. We'll have Gibbe look for this in the break. By the way, is... practice updates. The Browns are on the practice field as we speak. 
Not practicing today, Amari Cooper, Ethan Posick, Joel Batonio, Greg Newsom, Shelby Harris, Deron Harmon, Anthony Walker, Dustin Hopkins, Mike Ford, and Jordan Kunashik. Miles Garrett named the Pro Football Writers Association Joe Thomas Award winner as the best player on the Cleveland Browns this season. And Joel Batonio was named the Pro Football Writers Association Dino Lucarelli Good Guy Award. The Good Guy Award is given annually to a player for his cooperation with the media and for the way the player carries himself in the community and with his teammates. This is Betonio's fourth time winning the award, 2017, 18, 21, and 23. I don't know what was wrong with him, 19, 20, or 22. Joe Thomas, 2010 and 2013, is the only other player in team history to win the award more than once. Both offensive linemen both played together, both likely to end their careers wearing gold jackets. One of those already have happened. All right, that's it. MJ Emerson, robbed. Next level is next. Kidding. We got matchup day. We got Browns D, Bengals offense. We got Jim Schwartz from the podium coming up. Hour number two, we've got Alex Van Pelt from the podium. Browns offense against the Bengals defense. Do we know who any of these people are? No. We'll look at the overall Pro Bowl roster around the league. We will probably revisit because I'm pretty passionate about it. I'm pretty animated about it. The robbery that occurred to MJ Emerson. Pro Bowler in my mind and in my heart. Clean Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. When a medical mistake causes you injury, call the medical malpractice attorneys at 1-800-ELK-OHIO. Elk and Elk, proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Zagura and Gibbs with you from the Dog Bowl on the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. Bo Bishop back tomorrow with the guys. Some luminaries slated to join us on set as well. Uh, a lot to get to still today on the program, including Jay Morrison from, uh, from down in Cincinnati as we get ready for Bengals and Browns. We have not heard from our defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, in a few weeks. Last week with the short week and Thursday night, they didn't talk. A lot to get to, a lot to recap with Coach from both the Houston game and, of course, the Jets game and a look ahead to the playoffs and the Bengals game on Sunday. Have a listen. This over the course of, of the first 16 games, how teams are sort of trying to attack you to, to counter what you guys have been successful doing. You know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, I would say this, um, you know, in my history, teams that try to change to counter another team are on the wrong track. The teams that have probably played the best against us have been teams that have stayed true to themselves and just done what they do best, you know, because that's, sort of, that's sort of what we do on defense. Um, you know, everybody has little adjustments here and some game plan things here. And, you know, you have that cat and mouse game all around. But, you know, if, if we're forcing a team to completely change course and do something out of character, that might be mission accomplished for us. You know, like when we played on Thursday night, we had a really crappy first series of the game, um, countered some of the things that they were doing, and then, you know, and then, you know, really started um, – you know, playing some good defense after that. But there's always that part of the game, you know. But we try to be true to ourselves. We try to do what fits our players best. And, you know, with little minor adjustments and things like that. But we try not to play totally out of character, even when uh, we're playing an opponent. Hey, Jim, um, 
how do you, you talk about Greg? You knew he would bounce back after that Denver game. How do you think he's played over this final four game stretch? Yeah. Um, what are we? No, no. Yeah, four and zero in that stretch. Yeah. Um, Eleven and five. Is that? Yeah. I mean, at this point of year, you sort of lose track. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd classify him there. I'd, I'd say this. I'm really proud of our corners. Um, we put a lot of pressure on our corners, you know. I mean, you go look at the, the snaps of cover two and quarters we play, and we have to be near the bottom of the NFL in, in those snaps. And those things a lot of times you can do to protect your corners. Um, those guys all relish the one-on-one. You can't play corner if, um, you know, if you're trying to hide. And, you know, Greg, he's not trying to hide. Um, you know, probably the opposite. Um, brings us a lot of energy. He's always up for the challenge. He brings his, uh, his teammates' energy. Um, you know, and I, I, I think, like, I, I'd, I'd say this, I wouldn't trade our um, corner room for anybody in the NFL. Jim, how do you think Kevin has done this year as a head coach? I think he's coach of the year. I mean, I don't think that's even close. Um, he's just such a steady hand with the team. You know, um, um, you guys ever you guys ever see that movie um, Dustin Hoffman Wag the Dog? Remember remember that when um, he was like that like movie producer, and 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 things would go bad like with their whole like project that they were having, you know it would be a disaster. There would be something going on, and he just kept going. You think this is something? This is nothing. One time I was on, you know, one time I was uh, on a shoot in Istanbul and, you know, then this happened. And, you know, it just sort of put it in, pr- in perspective. But, you know, a head coach should be a steadying influence in a team. And I don't think anybody um, exemplifies that better than Kevin. You know, good coaches can, um, you know, round out the roller coaster nature, which is the NFL. Right. You know, like you're going to have highs, you're going to have lows over the course of the season. And, you know, you want to be um, you want to be the, the person that can that can level out those like you know, almost like a good hedge fund manager, you know. And um, I, th- I think Kevin's he's been he's 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 awesome to work for. I got a ton of respect for him. And, um, you know, we we we've, we've had a couple spots this year where we haven't played great, but we've always always been able to bounce back. And I think players take a lot of confidence in Kevin's confidence and his ability to handle all these different situations. You know, a lot's been made of the quarterback position, but you can go down a list of a lot of other situations, particularly injuries that have come, and um, you know, and and found ways to um, you know to still be successful and have the record that we have. It's 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 really been impressive. Um, you guys have had to deal with like it might torpedo other teams, not just the quarterback, but all the injuries that you've had to deal with. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like our culture that way, you know. And I think, you know, sometimes sometimes I, I don't watch a ton of other teams, but sometimes you can see frustration come out of other teams. You can see guys throwing helmets. You can see guys, you know, in, in scraps on the sideline, coaches and players and players and players and coaches and coaches and, and stuff like that. And I, you haven't seen any, any of that from our team. You know, if the offense turns the ball over, you don't see the defense pointing a finger at them or throwing helmets. And, you know, if the defense gives up a touchdown, you know, the, the, those guys, you know, the, those, those guys are supportive. And, you know, I, and I, I think – that culture and everything um, is a sign of coaching, also. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really proud to work for Kevin. 
Emerson, we know he's had a great year, but are his penalties aggravating to you, and can they be corrected? Well, I, I would say this, like part of, part of playing corner is being aggressive with your technique. And here, here's the thing with, with some of his penalties. As long as they're not in situations like third down and long, second and extra long, things where you have the offense, um, you know, really in a, in a jam, right? Second and 20, and you get an ICT. Five yards, but first down. You know, third down and 12, you get a defensive holding first down. And he hasn't had a ton of those. You know, and I think that, you know, you, you got to push the envelope a little bit when you're a corner because, you know, like you can go the other way. You can be so averse to penalties that you don't cover anybody. You never put your hands on people. And, you know, I think he's got a pretty good balance there. And that's one of the things we preach to guys. You know, we're a get-off team up front. We know we're going to be offsides sometimes. Let's not be stupid about it, right? Let's not be offsides when it's, um, you know, when it's third and two. Let's not be offsides when it's backed up. Let's not be offsides after a penalty or, you know, one of those things. And it's the same with corners. they got to be able to pick and choose their spots a little bit. Um, you know, they're on an island a lot. Like I said, we don't protect those guys a lot. We put a lot on them. And there's some good wide receivers and some good quarterbacks in this league. Um, Is the legal context getting beat with the first step? Um, I don't know if I'd classify them all. Um, you know, I think any time that you have either DH or an ICT, for the most part, it's it's where you you lost early, right? You lost early, and then you're trying to catch up. So you know, it's your your feet aren't in the greatest position. You cover with your feet, even though there's hands involved in it. But you know, generally, they're. I'm not just talking about MJ. I'm talking about all across the league. Um, you know, same thing with offensive holding. You know, guys don't hold if they're in good position, you know, and, and it's the same thing with DH or, or ICT and, and things like that. ICT sometimes, you know, you can just be frontal on guys and, you know, you get collisions and sometimes, you know, they're sort of iffy calls. But, you know, I don't know that we've had a ton of those. But, you know, I, 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 would, I would emphasize again, like, the, the pressure we put on those guys. And, you know, there's not a lot of help. There's not a lot of easy downs for those guys. There's not a, pl- a lot of place to hide. Everybody can see them on every single play. It takes a mentality to do that. It takes a skill set to do that. And um, MJ has that. He's, he's had a great year this year um, as, you know, I mean, it's been, it's been impressive to watch. Pro Bowl didn't agree, but, um, you know, we're really glad to have him. We're glad to have him and Denzel and Newsom and everybody. Uh, you you um, are obviously leading the number one defense in the NFL this year, and it's starting to be that time of year where excellent coordinators are going to be getting attention for head coaching jobs. Would you like to be a head coach again, or how much would you like to be a head coach again? Well, first of all, I'm I'm really happy here. I talked about Kevin. I haven't really talked about Andrew Barry or the Haslam's, but um, I love this organization. Um, I love the city of Cleveland. That was such a such a great atmosphere. Thirty one years in the NFL. That was probably that was one of my top five atmospheres. Um, you know that Thursday night. We needed to share that with the players. You know we got a lot of energy from them. We needed to give them a little energy, pay them back. Not many chances you have to be able to clinch at home. So. You know all that, but I, but I'd, I'd say this: like in any any job that you do, you always you always aspire to the top of that profession, and I'm no different there. Uh, 
obviously the same with the Pro Bowl last night, but what, as he's dealt with injury this season, what has he meant to that corner room and his, his leadership style? Denzel? Yeah, we're a better defense when Denzel's on the field and healthy. Um, you know, he's he's one of the best corners I've coached in those in those 31 years. Um, you know, and he's he's had a battle. You know, he he went through a month where he either wasn't playing or you know was was playing and he wasn't 100. percent But he's he's rounding out into better physical condition as we get you know closer to this end of the season and the postseason, and we need him. Um, you know, not only his coverage, but I think what's a little, been a little bit underrated about Denzel this year is um, up until the shoulder injury had been the tackling. He made some big hits for us, made some big third down stops, came up and stuck some screen passes, um, limited run after the catch, you know, all those things. And, you know, it, it, it hadn't always looked great over the last month. But now he's getting better, and you know I, I think that's been a part of his game that he was very serious about improving. I think it showed, and um, I think it will show as as we go forward. Um, he's got vet experience. Um, you know he, he he's 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 another one. You know we talked about Newsom, we talked about MJ. You know uh, Denzel's never met a one-on-one matchup that he didn't uh, that he didn't relish. That he didn't uh, he didn't want to win, and we have confidence in those guys. They have confidence in themselves. They are the tip of the, the tip of the spear when it comes to our defense. We talk a lot about our D line as our engine, and they're the people that give us the energy and the pace of which we play. But you know, if a defensive lineman is out of their gap or misses a play, nobody really notices it, right? You know, I mean, it, it can get over, it can get overlooked because a linebacker goes up and fills a gap, or safety makes a tackle. But if a corner fails on a play, everybody sees it. It takes a, it takes a different mentality to be able to live with that. And Denzel's got, uh, Denzel's got that. He can play off. He can play press. Um, you know, he's he's a pleasure to coach. He gives us great leadership. I mean, you know. Hey Jim, yeah. uh, what have you noticed from Ronnie Hickman and DMC Bell? behind the scenes and you know, meetings, practices, whatever, to be able to be ready for what's happening? Yeah, you know, like early in the season, um, you know, we were pretty healthy at that position, and all of a sudden it started hitting. You know, we, we lost Rodney McLeod. We lost, um, you know, Grant. We lost Juan. And, you know, those guys who had different roles, Ronnie was inactive, even though he played in the opener, you know, because Juan couldn't play in the opener, went in and played really well for us. But, um you know those guys. Those guys like were ready when their time came. Um, Ronnie made improvements over the course of the year. D Bell made really good improvements over the course of the year. Was a special teams player, but kept working. And um, you know, and, and those guys and uh, Harmon. You know, I, I think that um, you know it's nothing like having your your starters, right? Having Grant and having Juan and. You know those guys out there, but it's it's life in the NFL. You're not always going to have those, and those guys were ready when their their number was called. We saw Ronnie making some plays in the preseason, and he's continued that. The thing I've been most proud about both of those guys, they've been so assignment sound. And you know Ronnie's a rookie, and um, you know D Bell's still a young player that's mainly been a special team role. You know, and a lot of times when those guys come in. Um, you know, you're sort of fighting assignment sound and, you know, being in the right spots. But, you know, like, you know, they've, they've, they've been in the right spots. They've had very few missed assignments. They've played like veterans. And, 
you know, at this point of the year, there are no rookies. And uh, Verani has really lived that, you know, um, in the perfect spot by the coverage. And, you know, that interception and that score, number one, it brought the house down. But, you know, it it really, like, you know, I, I don't know how much of a game it was after that. Right. I think that was, you know, like, you know, there's some people talk about the dagger and things like that, even though that was early in the game. Like, you know, that that was that that was really a dagger. And, you know, he's that kind of playmaker. Um, all those guys have been impressive. Looks like, you know, we, we got one back for some snaps, um, you know, get those guys. Um, you know, he's been able to play multiple positions. Um, yeah, a, a, a lot of good things about those guys. That's Browns defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz at the podium. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Browns defense against the Bengals offense. Some of the highlights, some of the young guys who I think will get to play a lot in this game. We're not sure yet what is going to happen with the Cincinnati Bengals side of things, but it looks like from their practice and injury report, they weren't sitting a lot of people in practice. It was T. Higgins was the only one. They had a couple guys limited, Jamar Chase amongst them, with that shoulder injury, but he actually played last week and played the most snaps of any receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, when we come back, we'll take a look at this Bengals offense and the Browns defense for Sunday in Cincinnati. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, sports betting partner of your Cleveland Browns. OBM, the copier provider and document services. Start again. This one gets me because they changed the, the language on this one, Gibby. OBM, the preferred provider of copiers and document services for the Cleveland Browns who can tackle any size office. Call 216-485-2000 or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. All right, Browns defense, Bengals offense. So Bengals today, Gibby, you just told me. Yeah, Jay Morrison from uh, Pro Football Network, our good yep. friend down there in Cincinnati, he will join us at 2.30. Uh, did not see Joe Mixon. A stretch begins. T. Higgins off to the side on the bike. I would assume T. Higgins' season is yeah with a hammy. Over. Career low, forty-two catches, six hundred fifty-six yards, six touchdowns for T. Higgins this season. He had over a thousand and twenty-one and twenty-two. He's a pending free agent. Maybe help somebody get him at a discount. Maybe Joe Mixon, seventy-seven yards away from his fourth one-thousand-yard season, be his first since twenty twenty-one. Sounds like Brown's new quarterback, Jeff Driscoll. You want to go listen to some of them? Yeah, that? let's listen to him. Let's get to meet Jeff Driscoll, the Brown's starting quarterback this week. Figure it out, right? Um, just handle the moment, and that's what I've been doing the last you know, five or six days. And uh, just happy to be here. Kevin uh, had mentioned to us the fact that you work with Drew Petzing, who has been here, yeah. and, and the offense is a little similar. Just, yeah. So I guess in such a short amount of time here, has the transition been a little easier from a familiarity standpoint? Yeah, I mean, as much as uh, you know, one offense to another, there's probably not a much smoother transition, you know, terminology-wise. Obviously, like somebody else calling it, you know, new guys around you. Um, the bigger thing has been getting to know my teammates more than getting to know the system, um, which I think is a good thing. Jeff, uh, changing teams this late in the season is one thing, but 
getting put in that game is a level. Did you sign knowing you would probably play? You know, I, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, when you get an opportunity to get on a 53-man roster, you take it. You know, that's typically the fastest uh, path to the field. And, you know, that's, that's what my thought process was. So, came here, had a chance to get on a 53, and, uh, you know, looking forward to the opportunity on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it was the, the same message that everybody got. Like, we're going to go out and try to win this game. And uh, that's what we've been doing all week. We've been, you know, working hard, um, you know, getting to know our opponent, get to know the game plan. But that's really been the message is go try to win a football game. So you, you uh, said one of the bad things was getting to know your teammates. That's Joe, how you did that so quick. I mean, it's a common occurrence here to get to know guys real quick. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned earlier, like, this is the NFL. Like, things happen. Um, you know, my family thinks it's crazier than, you know, my, you know, my teammates. Teammates see people in buildings all the time. There's new people in every building every week. And that's just the name of the game. Um, but, yeah, just trying to get to know these guys on offense and defense, and uh, it's a really good group of guys so happy to be with. So in terms of just, you know, being with AVP and, you know, down in Cincinnati mm -hmm. and playing against the Browns, it just has a lot of familiarity to it for you. Yeah, I mean, the level of familiar, familiarity um, is huge. You know, seeing, seeing a face that you recognize and, um, you know, that you've worked with is, is comforting. Um, so it's been it's been good to get back with him and be in the room with him. So uh, it's been really good. Jeff, you're on, the, you're on the inside now. As an outsider, what's it like to see this team? quarterbacks oh, now a fifth starter and be in the playoffs. Yeah, it's like you said. From the outside, you don't really know much. Um, you know, you see guys go down. You see a different guy in there. Um, you know, throughout the season, and it's difficult. You know, you see teams where you know a key player goes down and it just derails the season. And it's been it's been the opposite here, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's the way that the culture is built here, the way that the roster was built here. Um, it really is a full team, and, you know, that's, that's what it takes to be successful. You know, you know, the first quarter of the week when you're not only trying to learn this system here, but you also got to prepare for the Bengals' defense. Yeah, I mean, all, all, all weeks are hard, right? Like, there's a lot thrown at you week in and week out. Um, so, I mean, it's a little bit of a challenge, you know, getting to – you know, meet people for the first time, shake their hand, and then go play with them. So that's a, that's a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a really good defense, and, uh, you know, we've watched a lot of tape on them. Um, you know, the staff and the other guys here know them a little bit better than I do just from playing them the last few years. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a challenge, but that's that's the NFL. It's a challenge every week. You know you're the first quarterback in this series to start against both Yeah, I heard that. That's an interesting stat. I'm surprised that, uh, that that's a thing. But, yeah, I heard that, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. And your first touchdown was against this team. Remember that? I do. I do. It, uh, I remember it well. Came in for Andy Dalton. Came in. Yep. He uh, something happened. I think his hand. You know, I threw a touchdown on the seam to Tyler Boyd, and he uh, proceeded to throw my first touchdown ball in the stands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I I looked around like. I asked the ref. I was like, "Where's the ball?" And he's like, "I don't know." Like, what? But you also <laughs> what I know? First touchdown. Yeah, I think it was from about this far away. But yeah. Did you keep that one? No, no, not that one. Did you know Joe very well before you got No, no, I hadn't hadn't uh, worked with him before. Um, but he was in Denver the year before I was there, and uh, 
Brett Rippin and Drew Locke, you know, said really good things about him and uh, all true. I mean, you know, me from the outside not being on the inside, just how impressive is it for him to come in with four in a row and just put up the numbers that he has when he hadn't been on the team? Yeah, it's huge. He was, you know, out of football the whole year, you know, just living, you know, rel relatively civilian life, coming in here, getting back into the swing of an NFL building, NFL season, and uh, getting thrust in pretty quickly. It's uh, it's been fun to watch from the outside, but uh, you know, being being here and seeing it, you know, I'm not surprised. Kev, you talked about just getting acclimated, getting to know the guys. There's been a lot said about this locker room, just how tight it is, and for their, the fact that they've gone to five during the playoffs and all this. So what's your first impressions of some of the guys that you have been able to interact with of this locker room? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that you know the record is what it is. Um, obviously, it's a talented group, but like you mentioned, really tight-knit group, really good guys across the board, and, uh, you know, you need that over the course of a season. Do you feel this game is an audition for you? I don't think so. I mean, you're, and every player in this league, like, their resume is what they put on the field, but, you know, we're worried about winning this game, and that's, that's all I'm worried about. If I start thinking about stuff down the line, you know, whether this year or years to come, you know, I, I would be doing this team a disservice. And what were you, you were here with the Cardinals and they played there, right? Yes. Shut up. Yeah. What are your observations about the Browns defense? Yeah, tough, tough defense, right? Like, good schematically, you know, good physically, and uh, really, really deep unit, so... There's a reason they're at the top of the league, you know, in terms of team defense. Is there any uh, uh, thought that you might play in that game, or did you know going in? <laughs> you know, I, like I was up. That was the one year this this year that I was elevated from the practice squad. Um, so I mean, I had the I had the mindset that I'm one snap away, you know, and that's that's reality. So I was I was prepared to play. I didn't know what was going to happen, but anytime you're the backup, you got to be ready to go. If you get to stick around uh, and you're here throughout the playoffs, uh, what do you think he can help Joe with? I mean, what do you think he can offer him or support him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's been there, done that, Super Bowl winning quarterback, you know, played 16, 17 years now. Um, you know, obviously, and support him in whatever way I can. I don't know what that is. But, uh, you know, just like to every other teammate, I'll do the same to him, is just be a, be a good teammate. Yeah, I mean, you got to feel it out, right? Like, you, you got to just, you know, see what he likes, you know, how the communication goes in the sideline. And uh, sometimes guys like to talk it out. Sometimes they just like to play. So um, going to do what I can to just be a good teammate. Thanks, guys. Nice to meet everybody. All right, that's Browns quarterback Jeff Driscoll who will get the start. Driscoll. You talked about it there. His first ever touchdown in the NFL came against the Cleveland Browns week 11 of 2018 down in Cincinnati, then started against the Browns for the Bengals in the week 16 game here in Cleveland. Started five games for them in 18, went one and four as a starter, but 60% completions, six touchdowns, two interceptions, 82 rating, 1,003 yards. He will get an opportunity, former six-round pick of the San Francisco 49ers back in 2000. And 16, obviously, familiarity with AVP, familiarity with Drew Petzing uh, from his time in Arizona, so familiarity with this offense. All right, when we come back, we're going to take a look at both some of the matchups on both sides of the ball in this game, and we're going to hear from Alex Van Pelt. It's all coming your way. Hour number two, Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If your game plan for this season includes buying or selling a home, Howard Hanna has the answer, delivering a winning strategy for breaking down the game of real estate. As the market leaders in Northeast Ohio, more buyers and sellers trust Howard Hanna to be their winning home team. Visit howardhanna.com slash gobrowns. Today, let's head back to the podium. Browns offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt. Good start with quarterback this game with Jeff. What excites you just about being able to see Jeff in a game and see what he can add to this team? Yeah, no, Jeff's a, a guy that has a lot of athleticism. Um, he's a bigger guy. He's got a strong arm, and I, I'm very familiar with Jeff from our time together in Cincinnati. Um, and, I, you know, I think with, you know, with Dorian um, being moved to IR, it gives us a chance to bring another athletic body in that could fill some of the role that Dorian played. Uh, so it'll be good to get him in. Uh, he has familiarity with the system, obviously coming from Arizona, and the familiarity from the Cincy days, some of that stuff is carried here. So I think he feels comfortable with where we are, and we're excited to see what he can do. Alex, quarterback poise, I mean, it's something Joe, you know, they, a lot of people talk about Joe with Joe. Is that something almost innate within, I mean, you played the position, is that something that's, I mean, it's, you either have it or you don't, it's not something you kind of develop? You know, he's always had it, you know. I think that's the biggest thing. You, you, uh, he's played a ton of football, you know, so he knows how to move in the pocket. He knows when he's hot, when he's warm, um, when he has to get rid of the ball. All those things is just the, that veteran experience. And it's paid off. I mean, he's made plays versus uh, cover zero where they had one more than we could block, and he bought time. Um, you know, he just knows how to operate uh, in just about all circumstances because he's, he's seen them all. That was probably one of Jerome Ford's best games on Thursday night. Um, just what did you see from him on those, especially the, the first touchdown and then the big pass play? Yeah, he's a tough tackle in the open field. His feet are so quick. Um, you know, his contact balance is outstanding. Uh, broke tackles to, to score late, made some big runs, broke tackles. I mean, it's all the things we've, we've always seen from Jerome. Um, his pass protection was excellent. Um, he was one of the best teammates on the field. He was picking guys up. Uh, I, I agree. I thought it was one of Jerome's best games to date. So keep, look forward to build on that in the, in the future. But he's playing at a high level. How has he kind of grown into that job over this year? Um, I mean, he got thrust into it early, and uh, and has kind of just warmed up to it, and has taken on that role. We said it would take a lot of shoes, uh, you know, feet to fill Nick's shoes, and uh, he stepped up to the challenge. Really proud of him. All three backs really had a, had a solid day last week. Alex, speaking of that, Kareem Hunt with another rushing touchdown. Now that's a career high for him this season. Um, another guy who's sitting waiting. For an opportunity, obviously there's a different familiarity here with, right. with recent you know, years. But was it a pleasant surprise the way he's been able to come in and, and do everything he's been able to do, given uh, that he was waiting? Yeah, it is. I mean, he's added so much productivity to their offense down in tight, especially. Um, you know, his ability to run hard between the tackles is something that stands out. Uh, and especially when he gets around the goal line, it's hard to, to deny him the goal line. Um, he'll he'll run guys over if he needs to, but he smells the end zone. He gets in. Um, that's just part of what he's done for us this season. He's made huge runs on third down for us, and he's had great protection. Um, so the, the the value that he's brought us this season has been huge, and really proud of him. You know, not a great circumstance. Didn't want to not be on a team, I'm sure. But once we got him here, man, he was he's been all on, all on board, and uh, he's been a great teammate as well. How about Dave making his first Pro Bowl? Just the season yeah. he's had and then finally achieving. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about Dave. I could not be happier because there's a guy that just, just done nothing but put his keep his head down and work. 
um, you know, and has gotten better every year we've been together. And just so happy, you know, and proud of him. And I'm glad that he got the accomplishments because he deserves them. He's really playing at that level. And um, again, just really happy, happy for Dave because there's a guy that does it the right way, um, and and it's, it's paid off for him. Alex, um, it was mentioned Jeff will be your fifth starting quarterback this year. You guys were the first team in NFL history to have four different starting quarterbacks this season to make the playoffs. Just can you put in perspective like how unique of, of an experience this year has been given those circumstances and what has it been like for you to be able to work with all those guys? Uh, it's been a great experience. It's one I'll, I'll always cherish and remember. It's been a unique year, uh, challenging. There's been a lot of adversity, um, but the, the room has always been solid. You know, We always feel like we're going to try to get whoever's playing in the best position to, to win for the team. And I think Kevin has really done a great job of catering um, how he calls the game to each player. Uh, again, he's, he's always thinking about their strengths and then trying to protect them from their weaknesses. And I think it's a, you know, a lot of it comes down to how Kevin calls those games. A lot of it comes down to how um, confident those guys are going into those games. And that's, um, you know, the quarterback room is always a tight room. And we've had multiple people in and multiple people have stepped up. And again, so proud of Dorian and PJ and, and Joe and, you know, Deshaun. I mean, he played through some stuff that was incredible. Um, so. To get to where we are now has been rewarding. It's been challenging, but uh, it's definitely a year that you know I'll, I'll, I'll uh, not forget. Obviously, Jerome was a big part of the run game on Thursday night. But what else do you think was working after the pre previous couple of weeks hadn't been as successful as you wanted? Um, that's tough. Uh, you know, that's that's a good defense. Um, we faced a bunch of good defenses prior to that. I think we just. Um, we were on that night. You know, I think their scheme that we ran that night was uh, was suited for that defense. I'm not getting into the detail, but um, yeah, really proud of those guys. Challenged them um, earlier that we we need to run the ball against the Jets, and I thought we could, and we did, and was proud of those guys. Some of your young guys have to uh, grow up in a hurry for these playoffs. Is what do you need to see from from Seth Tillman? He got thrown in, uh, you know, to the fire last week a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so yeah. He just needs to be himself, you know, just, you know, dive into the plan each week and, and um, you know, have a full understanding of what we're asking him to do, alignments, assignments, technique, everything as a rookie. You know, I told those guys this morning, this is not the time to let up. It's a time to double down. Um, these, these opportunities are special and you don't know when you get your next one. So, um, but at the same time, I've been around a lot of teams that get to these games, the, the playoff games, and they get super tight. And you make a ton of mistakes, so it's finding that happy medium. And let's do our job. Let's just do our job, execute one play at a time. And you know, but that's Sed's job. He needs to just do his job each week. Um, and if he just does that, we'll be just fine. Alex, so obviously we talk about the quarterback all the time. With how many you guys have been using offensive tackles up there too? I mean, what are you getting out of those two guys right now? And, and what has kind of impressed you most about the way they've been able? Yeah, I mean, they're playing their butts off on the edge. They really are. I'm really proud of both those guys. Um, you know, HUD's been here the, the longest, um, and I've seen him develop from the day he got here as the only, you know, rookie lineman that was in that class. And the three-on-one -on work he got with Coach Callahan and Coach Peters and Coach DeCoster. So I watched that growth, and I'm proud of him as well. I mean, he's a guy that just has gone out and, and blocked whoever they put in front of him. And then to Jerron to come in halfway through and, and to be able to, to do what he did. I think we had one sack last week, and that was on a, a fall down naked keeper. Um, really, really proud of those guys up front and their protection really the last three weeks. All right, that's Brown's offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, and he's right. The protection has been very good. Jaron Christian's allowed one sack in his last five games. Ethan Posick has, allowed one, has not allowed a sack since week six. 
So, yeah, this line, they've done a very, very good job. Matchups in this one. For the Browns, here's what I expect to see. A lot of Pierre Strong. I'm excited about that. How does Pierre Strong fare against the rush defense of the Bengals, which ranks 26th in the NFL, giving up 128 yards, 4.8 yards a carry. They lost DJ Reader a few weeks ago. That put a big hole in the middle of that defensive line. So I'm excited. I think we're going to see a lot of Pierre Strong. I think this will be a nice Jordan Akins, Harrison Bryant game. I think Jordan Akins, Jordan Akins went for 500 yards last year and five touchdowns. Really hasn't gotten going here with the Browns this season, but I think we'll get to see some of him. I, I, there are some guys that can make plays here for, for this sure. football team that you're going to see on Sunday. I think our three receivers are going to be Cedric Tillman, Marquise Goodwin, and David Bell in the slot. Excited to see that. I wouldn't mind even seeing Jalen Darden get a little bit of run. I just don't think we have enough spots to bring up say, all these people off the practice squad. You can only bring two up, right? I think that. I think so. We should look that up. Have Uno look that up. How many people? How many practice squad elevations can you have in a week? All right. Or we could ask the great Coop. Now this defense, they are the 31st overall total defense, 29th against the pass, 26th against the run. They do take the football away, though. They are ninth in the NFL with 15 interceptions. They are fourth in turnover differential, plus nine. They're a bad third-down defense as well. They have allowed 42% conversions. That's 26th in the NFL. They've allowed 21.1 first downs per game to their opponents. That's the third most in the league. Not been a great defense, but they do have some great players. Trey Hendrickson, I'm assuming, is a pro bowler. We'll look at those rosters in a second, but he, he, he leads the NFL with 17 sacks. He's been sensational. They've got three guys on the team that have 100 or more tackles. Logan Wilson's got 130. Jermaine Pratt's got 116, and their safety, Dex Hill's got 105. Uh, their corners have struggled. Really, their whole pass defense has struggled, with the exception of Cam Taylor Britt, their second rounder from a year ago out of Nebraska. He's played pretty well, but I, I think the Browns are going to be able to throw the ball on them if they want. Now, again, this isn't our first offensive line, but I, I'm really excited. I want 20 carries for Pierre Strong. As long as the game kind of goes normal, I think if he gets 20 carries, he's going over 100 yards. I like Pierre Strong. Uh, up to two practice squad players per week. Yep, player is el eligible to be elevated three times per season. Yep. To be activated a fourth time requires a player be signed to the regular roster. Yep. So only two. That's all we can do. All right. So we'll see what happens. Okay, on the other side of the ball, when they've got it, their offense, our defense, Jake Browning is their quarterback three, and three is a starter this year. 69.9% completion, 1,780 yards, nine touchdowns, six picks, 96.5 ratings, also ran for 109 yards and three touchdowns. He's thrown a touchdown pass in seven straight games, 300 or more in two of the last three, three of the last five, 275 plus in four of the last five. So he's been slinging it. They might not have T. Higgins, but they will have Jamar Chase. Career-high 96 catches this year, 1,197 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, they also have Trenton Irwin, who's got a career-high 23 catches, 282 yards, and a touchdown. Tyler Boyd, 66 catches, 663 yards, and two touchdowns. And Andre Yoshivash, we may see a little bit of. He was their six-rounder out of Princeton, 6'3", 212 pounds, 10 catches, 80 yards, but two touchdowns on the season when they run it it's joe mixon but i have a feeling we could see a lot of chase brown their uh, fifth round pick out of illinois he's kind of come on the last few weeks 136 yards rushing 13 catches for 146 on the season they have a bunch of tight ends they really like tanner hudson 37 catches 341 yards and a touchdown uh the cincinnati lead cincinnati's tight ends it's a career year for him the quarterbacks seem to like him very much offensively for the season they are the number 32 rushing attack, number 22 overall, number 20 scoring offense. Obviously, Joe Burrow went down earlier this season. He played in 10 games for them. He was 5-5 five and five as a starter. 67% completions, 2,309 yards, 15 touchdowns, 6 picks, and a 91 
quarterback rating. For the Browns, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Alex Wright, Isaiah McGuire, probably Obo Karanquo, getting him back up to speed here. Uh, Alex Wright's got a sack in three straight games. You'll see Siaki Ika get a lot of run, and probably Jordan Elliott. Maybe Shelby Harris gets the rest. Jordan Elliott will get some run there. Linebackers this week, I expect to see uh, Tony Fields, Mahmoud Diabate, Matthew Adams, and Jordan Kunashik. In the secondary, I think Khalif Halasi, Ronnie Hickman, Cam Mitchell, Mike Ford, if he's able to go, uh, DeAnthony Bell will probably be the guys. Maybe Tanner McAllister or A.J. Green get elevated. They could elevate a Sam Kamara because he can play tackle and he can play end for you. Uh, but you're going to need those practice squad elevations because you know there are a lot of big names that you're not going to see in this one. All right, when we come back, we'll take a look at the Pro Bowl rosters for the other teams. No. No, we will not. We'll take a break. And when we come back. Behind enemy lines. We'll go behind enemy lines. This is the stack. We'll go behind enemy lines with Jay Morrison from Pro Football Network. We're adjusting on the fly here. All right, perfect. Jay Morrison next with us here. Behind enemy lines, we'll get an idea of what the Bengals are doing. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. Time now to go behind enemy lines with Jay Morrison from Pro Football Network via the Twisted Tea Hotline. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. You can follow him on X at by Jay Morrison, B-Y-J-A-Y-M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N. Jay, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, Jay, obviously this season did not go the way that the Bengals wanted. It's another season that ends with Joe Burrow on injured reserve. It will end with them not making the playoffs. Just give me kind of take the temperature of this organization, what this season was supposed to be, what this season has ended up being, and, and, and where maybe it goes from here. Yeah, you know, we talked to special teams coordinator Darren Simmons today, and he just was talking about he just kept saying how bad this week sucks over and over again now they're, they're they're so used to these playoff runs and and now to not have anything hanging at the end of this this game this week and just the all the what could have been the what ifs um you know two injuries to burrow the one that kind of sidetracked him early in the season and he comes back and they're they're playing great they look like uh what they thought they would look like all along for about five games then he gets hurt hurt again um, Jake Browning, I think, has played better than everybody expected. But just to to be in this position going into Week 18 with no shot at the playoffs, it's it's disappointing. Um, but I don't think anyone feels like anything needs to be blown up or or massively changed. I, I think there's a lot of optimism that you get Joe Burrow back next year, um, and and everything is right back on track. Is there some concern though about Joe Burrow's ability to stay healthy? Uh, if there is, they're not voicing it. I mean, it's it's been so many fluky things. You know, the you know Clowney landed on him. Um, that that was the wrist, uh, the the calf injury um, in, in camp, the appendectomy last year. I mean, the there, there's always the concern when a guy's hurt like that. Like, is he injury prone? But sure. you know, I they gave him they gave him the huge contract. Uh, I don't think they would have given him that deal if, if they were concerned because sure. that was even after the calf injury, if, if this was going to be an ongoing thing with his career. So Burrow, when you think of the Bengals and certainly on offense, you thought of Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. 
how many of of that group take Burrow out of it, obviously, and, I, and you can take Jamar Chase out of it, of Mixon, Higgins, Boyd are playing for the Cincinnati Bengals next year? Um, well, if I'm betting, I'm saying none of them. Um, Mixon's under contract, uh, but they ask him to take a pay cut this year. Uh, they would likely yep. do the same next year. Would his pride allow him to do that? Um, he, you know, he talked this year about wanting a shot at a ring and, and sticking around, and he loves it here. But, the, you know, they drafted Chase Brown for a reason. They might be ready to move on there. Tyler Boyd's uh, a free agent at the end of the year. I think, you know, his age will be on the wrong side of 30. And I just, you know, maybe he comes back on a one-year deal, but I think he's likely gone as well. And then, <laughs> excuse me, T. Higgins is the big one. <clears throat> He'll be a free agent. And my guess is they will they will franchise tag him, and he probably will not sign it. And the, there will probably be some sort of tag and trade. I, I think they – they can get more in return if they tag him and trade him than they would if they just let him walk and, and settle for a third-round comp pick. Um, but I just I don't see that there's room to keep T. Higgins. You know, Jamar is up for his extension next yep. year, and they're all in on Jamar. And I just don't know that you can afford to pay T. Higgins $25 million on a franchise tag and then, and then you know, re-up with Jamar and then do some of the other things you need to do to bolster this roster. And for T, obviously, this was not a great year to be oft injured as he was, but he made some of the most incredible plays of the season at the same time. Yeah. Do you get the sense that he wants an opportunity to go somewhere where he can be more of the guy than kind of being the second fiddle there with Jamar Chase? Yeah, I think if the Bengals offered him um, a long-term deal, he would absolutely sign it. But we, you know, last year at the Super Bowl, he was making the rounds on Radio Row, and he talked about that wanting to be a number one and. I think everybody knows he'll never be a number one here. You know, maybe a one yep. B to Jamar's one A, but yeah, I think that is a, a big part of it. And um, I still think he'll get, whether it's a tag and trade or whether it's straight free agency. I think he's he's going to still be in line for a nice payday, even with this being an injury riddled year. And he, he wasn't great when he was healthy, but you're right, he did make some of the most amazing catches of the season. Yeah, he he did. What's your assessment of the Bengals on defense? Obviously, they changed things around on the back end. Both Jesse Bates and Von Bell leave, you know, kind of up and down, certainly against the pass and against the run. Trey Hendrickson, obviously, sensational leading the league in sacks. But overall, what was kind of your assessment of the defense that it feels like maybe fell a little bit short of expectations? Oh, yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, it's they knew there was going to be growing pains when they let Jesse Bates and Von Bell go in, in free agency. I don't think they expected it to linger into week 17, now week 18. You know, they're still, last week, still making the same kind of communication errors that they were making in week one and week two, and that, yeah, that just can't happen. And um, yep. I think they feel comfortable with the pieces they have there because it, they, they did have new safeties. And then um, DJ Turner, the rookie from Michigan, played a lot at corner this year. And um, they, they brought in Jordan Battle as a, they drafted him in the third round. He eventually took over for Nick Scott, who was a veteran at, at, at one of those safety spots. So it's been a lot of moving parts. Cam Taylor Britton is four games. Um, so I, it's going to be interesting to see that this is a team that the last couple off seasons, they've gone the distance and they've been tired and they've, it's been kind of a country club atmosphere in the OTAs where they don't do any 11 on 11 team drills. And it's just a lot of position drills, a lot of shorts and, and t-shirt kind of stuff and it'll be interesting to see if they change that with with a little longer of an offseason this year and really kind of get to some some more x's and o's type of football in the spring to try to get these these this young secondary up to speed and at part of it you know you'd say okay well you'd expect some issues on the back end and they are the number 29 pass d but 
this has been a pretty tough front to run against historically, not this year. And I know DJ Reader went out a few weeks ago, but you know, it's I think it's uncharacteristic to be giving up almost five yards a carry as the Bengals have. What was kind of the big issue in the run game? Because really only the Broncos have given up more yards per carry this season. Yeah, I mean, efficiency-wise, they were okay, but it was – and Browns fans saw it in week one. Um, I can't remember if it was Elijah. It was one of those wide receivers kind of took a sweep and went, and it looked like it was completely strung out, and they reversed field and took it for 40, 50 yards. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what really got them. They, they had a lot of explosives that they gave. They, they've given up more explosives than anybody in the league overall, run and pass, and um, they had a lot of them in the run game. So it wasn't like they were getting gashed over and over again, but – you know, you're giving up a, a 20, a 30, a 40-yard run every game that's going to affect your numbers, and that was all kind of part of it. It was the, the young secondary overrunning things and not being in position on the backside, and uh, just a, a lot of things went wrong in that regard. What do you expect to see from the Bengals on Sunday? The Browns, have, you know, they're already locked in as the five seed. They're going to be resting a lot of their players. Are, are the Bengals going to play everybody who's available? Or are, do you expect to see, you know, Jamar Chase, Mixon, I know, miss a little practice day, but are they going to be putting basically their starters out there as though it were a game for something? Yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, Zach talked about it in his press conference yesterday. He was asked four or five different ways. He finally said, you guys are not listening to me. We are playing to win this game. And I do think we're going to see all the starters. I don't think we're going to see T. Higgins. He's, he yeah. had that hamstring injury last week against the Chiefs. He came back into the game but really wasn't himself. And he had, he didn't practice yesterday. He wasn't practicing today. So I'd be surprised if he plays. Jamar is playing through a shoulder injury, but I think, I think we're going to see him play. Um, he's four catches away from 100. I know that would mean something yep. to him. So maybe once he hits that mark, maybe he comes out. It was kind of like the 2021 game, his rookie year, where he was the only starter that played yeah. in that week, meaning with week 18 game in Cleveland. And once he got the Bengals yardage record, they took him out. So, But beyond that, yeah, I think it's going to be all the starters. It, this team has made a point to, to not shy away with, with how frustrated, disappointed, whatever word you want to use, that they are 0-5 in the division. And it would mean a lot to them to have a winning record, and it would mean a whole lot to them to avoid 0-6 in division games. Talking with Jay Morrison from Pro Football Network. You follow him on X at by Jay Morrison. Yeah, that's a, isn't that a wild stat? I mean, that to me is one of the crazier stats of this season. That this Bengals team that you know many people thought you know Super Bowl, AFC Championship. That's what they'd done the two years prior. That it was going to be that again, and to be you know zero and five in this division, which has been one of the best divisions in football. Is that is that one of the more stunning things about this whole season to you when you look back at this Bengals season in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I mean, not just the 0-5, but Cleveland whipped them by 21. Uh, Pittsburgh whipped them by 23. Uh, Baltimore put it on them pretty good after it looked like the Bengals were taking a halftime lead in in the game that Joe Burrow got hurt. So they, it's not just the 0-5, but they've been non-competitive yeah. in some of those games. So it is, that is a huge surprise. And if, if the Bengals win on Sunday, the AFC North is the first division in football since the 1935 NFL West to have every team finish above 500. Well, that, we got that going for us then. Take that rest of the league. <laughs> and I feel like if the Bengals are putting their starters out there, they'd have to be the favorites, and certainly Las Vegas does agree. Hefty favorites in this one. Jake Browning, cool story, right? We've got our cool story with Joe Flacco, and obviously that's a AFC North story. That is a, He's setting records. But Jake Browning, I think, quietly has been much, much better than I would have to imagine anybody thought he might be in this action this season, 70% completions. Uh, he's thrown for a, a 1,780 yards, nine touchdowns, 96 ratings, run for three. He's been 
pretty darn good. Yeah, and, and they've not shied away from that. They they insist that they had confidence that they thought he could play well, but no one thought it would be this good. Sure. Especially right out of the bat, but, you know, the first four games, he had historically great numbers. Um, it has. It's been encouraging, and it's it's that was kind of one of the things where everybody talked about this year was one of the spots they were surprised that they didn't beef up was backup quarterback. And, um, you know, they brought in Trevor Simeon and Jake Browning beat him out in camp. And yep. I think they feel really good about that position going forward because Jake's, Jake's an ex- exclusive rights free agent. So the Bengals can offer Perfect. him a minimum league minimum contract next year. He can't, he can't negotiate with anyone else. And he's, he's stuck. I don't want to say stuck here, but he doesn't have options to go anywhere else. So um, that, that has been a major surprise. And, and really, you could argue he would be team MVP if, if they were still playing for for a playoff spot and actually got in this year. It was everybody thought the season was dead when Joe Burrow went out and, and Jake really sure. kind of revitalized everything. Didn't I think people? It's one of those things with the backup quarterback position. I think people have to understand when you've made the investment that you've made in Joe Burrow, that's the investment in quarterback. So you're looking for a rookie, somebody on a very very cheap deal to back them up because the reality is. Losing that guy makes it very difficult. And, I mean, the Browns are doing something crazy, you know, four quarterbacks starting. When you kind of watch it through that lens, are, are you kind of in awe of what this Browns season has been? I mean, 11-5 and five with all Chubb out in week two, down three tackles, down Deshaun Watson, just the way that the Browns have been able to kind of overcome that and what's been a very special season for us up here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be an outrage if Kevin Stefanski is not coach of the year. I mean, he should be unanimous coach of the year. We'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, that, it's just an incredible job. And, you know, now it's going to be a fifth starting quarterback on Sunday, the, the former Bengals, Jeff Driscoll. So yeah. it, is, it is amazing what, what Cleveland – and they've got a great defense. So it's not a huge surprise, but everybody knows what quarterback play is in this league. And to, to have all that kind of change and turmoil up there, it's, it really is impressive. And you know, everybody's talking about Baltimore as the team to beat and, and nobody's going to go into Baltimore and win. I keep pointing out Cleveland already did that. Cleveland did already it. went into Baltimore and won this year. I'm not, not, I'm not ruling out. That would be so fantastic, an AFC championship game where Flacco goes back to Baltimore. And I mean. The first, <laughs> first round Super Bowl on the line. <laughs> it would be unreal. It would be unreal. You mentioned Jeff Driscoll real quick before we get you out of here, get you out on this one. Yeah. What can you tell us about Jeff Driscoll? What should we expect? Guy's been here, like many of our quarterbacks, not even a week. Yeah, incredibly athletic. Um, at one point before he before he got a chance to start for the Bengals, they tried to switch him to wide receiver late in a, in the 2017 season, and he got hurt in practice. Um, and then I think Houston did made him a tight him end for a little bit or tight yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. So he's very fast. Um, he's he's you know he's kind of what you would expect from a backup quarterback. He's not going to awe you with his arm, but he can make plays on the run. He can get out of the pocket. And, and make things happen with his feet, and um, a big opportunity for him. I like any of these guys. Sure. He's not going to have the, the starters out there with him, but he can make a name for himself. And really interesting story with him coming back to Cincinnati, where it started for. Well, it actually started in San Francisco, but he got his first real shot in Cincinnati. Yeah, going to be wild. Thank you so much, Jay, for the time, for the insights. Not a game that we expected to begin the year. We all thought week eighteen. Nope. Browns, Bengals, Watson, Burrow. This could be for the AFC North. This could be for something ice aches, and it's turned into uh, an exhibition game, and that's what we're going to get down there uh, at Paul Brown Stadium. Didn't see it coming. I don't think anybody could have seen a lot of things that happened in 2023 coming, but, Jay, appreciate the time, and, and thanks for being with us, taking us behind enemy lines. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for having me on.
All right, when we come back, so much more to come. Final thoughts, wrapping it up. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, now live in Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Join Sherrod Cherry and yours truly tonight from 7 to 8 for the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Head coach Kevin Stefanski joins the show, and as does Browns linebacker Sione Takitaki in a long, wide-ranging interview that I think you'll enjoy. So, I know I will enjoy it. I will very much enjoy it. So, Coach He might Sione, be like our like Radio Network like Good Guy Award winner. For he should. We, should. we should give an award. Uh, I mean, it, it should be named in honor of John Greco. Him. Our good friend John Greco, yeah. who at one point was a co-host on these shows before, uh, I don't know, maybe more than the talent at one time, seven or eight years ago. There was a time when Greco was on it quite a bit. Yes, I would he say was. Uh, Joe Schobert would have been one. The great Cole's got to be a, a radio good guy. I mean, he used to come in here every Friday and no, I mean, pal around for an hour. Yeah. I would say from this year's team... Taki Taki, Chief. We had MJ Emerson on a lot. A lot. MJ. We could talk a little bit more about the stupid Pro Bowl snub. Yeah, I mean, I, I've tweeted it now. My thesis is out there. Ridiculous. It's the it's the biggest I think it's the biggest snub in the league. At least Dustin Hopkins got Dustin Hopkins not making it as the starter over Justin Tucker is an unreal snub and is just based totally. Popularity contest. Yeah. Popularity or, like, contest. if you're going to hand a player who votes a blank ballot and yep. be like, who's the best kicker? Yeah. Well, I know who the best kicker is in the game. He's arguably the best kicker of all time. Exactly. That's why he, he got it. By the way, I think we should talk about a great accomplishment today. Shout out to Jersey Jerry, who – 2,000, I believe it's 2,600 shots over the course of three days, really. It started on 2,627 shots, January 2nd to January 4th. He finally got a hole-in-one, number seven, Pebble Beach on the golf simulator, and it was an unbelievable moment. You had the PGA Tour weighing in. You had various sports teams weighing in. You had Tom Brady. Just minutes before he hit Tom Brady said it's darkest for the dawn with a picture of Jersey Jerry. He put a picture of himself. Kind of slumped over on the bench. Said it's the darks for the dawn. 16 minutes later, Jersey Jerry got it. The celebration is awesome. So I think this was like a – am I right? This was his fantasy football punishment for I, I losing his so. league? It's a great punishment. It's better. It, it might even be better than the pancake challenge, to be honest with you. But just what an unbelievable moment. Number one trend in the worldwide. People watch this 36 hours through. It's just incredible. So he spent 37 hours all total chasing this hole-in-one. Tom Brady tweeted at him. He got it done in 16 minutes. Tom Brady's pa- The power of Tom Brady. He is powerful. He's powerful. But what an awesome thing. Awesome. That was, that was, that was a, a big highlight of the day. We'll go through the Pro Bowl rosters tomorrow with, with Bo, I guess. Yeah, Bo will be that. here. We got the scores. Over-unders. Over-unders. Maybe a 
certain quarterback of your Cleveland Browns in studio. Yeah, it could be. A, I mean, it could be a massive day. By yes. the way, do you know what? So he, after he got the hole in one, they made him give a speech. They set up a microphone for him in front of the simulator. They have. Did you see this? Did you see? And did you no, see what he I said? Didn't. No. He used his speech to ask, to basically say the one thing he wants to do more than anything in the world is have dinner with T.J. Watt. He wants to have steak, mashed potatoes, asparagus, and macaroni and cheese with T.J. Watt. Why the mac and cheese? I don't know, but that's what he said. He said, I was a nice... WJJW Watt family. It was always a nice steak, mashed potatoes, asparagus, and mac and cheese with TJ Watt. That's all he wanted. He used that moment to get it. JJ Watt said, Congratulations at Jerry the Kid 21. I'll put in a good word. So, and then TJ Watt even said something to him. So basically, it's on. So he used this moment to try to have dinner with his favorite sports hero, TJ Watt. TJ Watt said, Never a doubt. So there you go. It's going to happen. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Just, this is just. I I don't know. At one point, doesn't your body give out trying to get? He that? slept. He slept for a few hours. He yeah, his body was wrecked. He was struggling, man. Really struggling. It yeah, was two thousand shots. Pretty incredible. Yeah. I think your body starts to fall apart. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, that's two thousand six hundred twenty-seven shots. It's crazy. It's crazy. That would be, and you can hit a lot of good shots. That's why people like people think, oh, if I just sat there forever, thirty six hours. That's a simulator, not real. That does not count as a real hole in one. No it's a simulator hole in one. It doesn't count. But, but it's by not the way, easy. He should uh, he should modify that request with TJ Watt and have dinner on the green, real life at Pebble Beach. I'm not. I'm not sure that Pebble Beach would go for that, but I like. I like where your head's I mean, at. And I would like Jim Nance to join us. I think what Pebble Beach should do is invite him there to do it for real. I. I think that would. You want some good pub? Can he recreate it for real? The problem is they'd have to shut down their course for a couple of a couple of days. All right. Again, join Gerard and me tonight, seven to eight. Kevin Stefanski show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Yellowstone <laughs> making his way in here. Uh, the next level is next. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.